This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, your light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au, a proud Joy sponsor for over five years. Family Matters on Joy 94.9. And now we have play school. Oh, very you are sweet. with Gina and Cleason, and we are talking to. Can we just say Dr. Rose? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Rose. Rose, I've got your. Inch, you've got a very impressive bio here. This is all the pages to her bio. Oh, no, don't read my bio. I'm, I'm going to read just a snippet of the bio. So, Dr. Rose Boland is here to help talk to us about baby safety. She's a newborn educator, neonatal intensive care nurse, and midwife with over 30 years experience. Oh, you've only been working for 10. Um, she specialises in providing first aid training for parents of newborn babies, ex-premature infants. In addition, and this is the stuff that impressed me, she develops training programs, clinical practice guidelines and resources for medical, nursing, midwifery and paramedic healthcare professionals in Victoria in her role as a statewide perinatal educator with the neonatal emergency retrieval team. Talk about getting the experts in here, Clayton. Very good reading, by the way. Thank you very much. I wanted to get it all in. So you're a nurse, but you're a doctor. You're I'm a, a doctor nurse. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a nurse with a PhD, so that makes me a doctor nurse. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm just Rose, and that's good. I love Rose. babies, and yeah, it's all now, about the babies. Rose, I, you know, I came out to the team not as a lesbian. Everyone knows I'm a lesbian, but before we broke for Christmas, I came out to the team and told them I was having a baby. I'd kept it secret from absolutely everyone. Now. There are many classes that people can go and do when they're about to have a baby because it's scary. You're about to have this thing. There's many books and (laughs) websites and manuals that tell you stuff. But there are classes that you can take as well. And I actually attended one of your classes with my partner and I was so impressed. I've... I've seen many educators. I, I work at a university. I've, I'm a professional student by trade. And I was so impressed with this course and how you taught the course because you really just, I don't know, it was just such a scary topic to look at. We're looking at things that we don't want to think about. We're thinking of, when we're talking about all of the scariest stuff before we've even had the baby. But it was actually done in such a way that it was really comfortable to engage. I didn't get scared when we had to start performing things on on dolls like CPR and choking procedures. And I was worried for my partner as well that that might trigger some emotions. But it was actually one of... One of the best courses. So thank you, Rose, for coming in. Thank you for that course. Oh, thank you. That's that's lovely feedback, Gina. I really do appreciate it. I mean, um, as you know, the course is fairly newish. And the reason I really started it up was because I recognised this huge gap in the market that when mums, dads and people come to these antenatal um, or preparation for parenthood classes, so much of the focus is on one day. Mm. 
the day you have the baby, Labor Day. Yeah. Um, but then there's the rest of your life and yeah. you have to take that baby home. And there's, there wasn't a lot for parents on really sensible, pragmatic guidelines. You get so much information when mm. you're in hospital. What do you read? What brochures do you just put aside? Yeah. And so it was really based on bringing kind of all my various hats that you've mentioned um, <laughs> together and thinking about how can I do this in a way that's really non-threatening but also really empowers parents, gives them the information they need without scaring the crap out of them. Yeah. That they actually walk away and remember mm. something. So that was how it kind of came to be. So, so the day that you have the most support you will ever have during the child process, the day that is where the focus is, yeah, rather than when you alone. actually take it home. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh wait, there's no one now. Yeah, there's yeah. no button that you can press to call someone. There's a phone you can call an emergency, you know, triple zero number sure. on. But yeah. you're in, like you said, exactly, Clayton. You're in a room full of twenty professionals that are going to help you. Then you've got this bundle, got, yeah. which you're yeah, absolutely like what to do with, and they don't come with instruction manuals <laughs> like your DVD player does, oh, or no. absolutely, uh, and they don't have a troubleshooting section at the back of the manual. And you can actually, which would be handy. And, and nobody wants to break the baby. I was the first person to accidentally bend over and knock the baby's head against the bassinet. I cried more than the baby did. So I knew the baby was okay, but I cried more and was petrified that that I'd done some damage. I don't know if you remember this, Gina, but at the beginning of the class I say to uh, everyone there, what you're going to learn, or the reason I don't have second-time parents come to this class is by the time they've had their second baby, they figure out that babies are resilient. (laughs) They're designed to survive, uh, irrespective of what their parents do to them. (laughs) And I actually love uh, Clayton's suggestion tonight for people uh, to win the 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 prize. to talk about what terrible or not terrible but what things they've done to their baby or what their parents did to them and we certainly find in the class when we ask what people's mums did or what they were taught of course it's really different to what we're teaching now and that's that's an important message and if you do want to win that prize message (laughs) in message in 0427 joy 949 or 1300 joy 949 you can speak to Mushroom on the front desk or on air at joy.org.au so in these baby safety classes and we're going to go through some of this stuff but what is some of the stuff that is taught to people when they come and do these classes we spend a fair bit of time actually just going through the latest safe sleep guidelines Mm -hmm. um, because this is one area of baby safety where uh, we can see that we can prevent fatal sleep accidents by putting some really simple interventions into place. Really simple stuff, but if parents aren't aware of them or parents-to-be aren't aware of them, and particularly if they follow perhaps what their mum did uh, or their mum says, this is how I put you to sleep. Every grandmother wants to give unsolicited parenting advice. things have changed a lot in, say, 30 years, which is when that's the average age of most of the mums I see. I'm 30, 32, 34. A lot has changed in 30 years, so not only do I have to get the message across to the, the new mums and dads and who come to my classes but also say to them you need to go home mm. and teach your mum or your dad or your auntie whoever's going to be caring for the baby how you want your baby put to sleep. I did exactly this because there were brochures at the end of the class and what I loved is because my parents don't speak English but there were really good diagrams of safe sleeping yeah. patterns and I took multiple, I probably stole all your stash, I took multiple brochures home because then I had a visual and my yes. mum, the baby's not going to be comfortable, where's its pillow? And this kind of, where's all, the sheep's Where's the sheep? Where's all that excess, excess stuff? But to go stepping back, like Red Nose Day, we were kind of talking about this before and SIDS and all this kind of stuff. I remember, I don't know about you, Clayton, but my generation, there were Red Nose events 
all the time and it was really kind of at the forefront of most of our campaigning. People had a random red nose on the front of their car. That's like, right. And they stay there for a whole year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I think I've still yeah. seen some. Still see them. But we're, st- we're hearing less and less about this. Now, you were kind of educating me on some of the terminology. So I mentioned SIDS and you started talking Sudi. Can you kind of talk us through what this is? Because sure. I think we've grown up of a generation of SIDS. Talking about SIDS, yeah. 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 So now we, we use the term Sudi and Sudi means the sudden and unexpected death of an infant. So this is a baby who dies in their sleep who's under one year of age. Now this can happen day or night. Uh, It's more common at night. It can happen summer or winter. It's more common at winter. It can happen in the morning sleep, the afternoon sleep, not just the, you know, when the baby goes to bed at night time. And when we go to look for reasons why this happened, we then find basically two groups, either the ones we can explain mm-hmm. and they're tragically usually either the fatal sleep accidents, unsafe sleep environment, you know, modifiable risk factors. Uh, and then we have the unexplained. And the unexplained is really where the true SIDS sort of sit. So many of the SUDIs are not SIDS. So SIDS, it's tricky, but yeah. So uh, many of the, the SUDIs that uh, we see are actually fatal sleep accidents. Now, the education campaigns that I grew up with have obviously worked because we were looking at some statistics. So I think there were some statistics from 1989 to 2015 you helped share with us. SUDI deaths back then were 4,921. In Australia, and we're looking at Australian statistics. Sooty deaths in 2015 is 113. So we're seeing, like, the campaign's working. The campaign's working. Hugely working. So that's some of the... And so we've seen in in that period, from 1989 to 2015, an 80% drop. Massive reduction. What have been some of the main messages that people are hearing or should be hearing around this? One of the most successful campaigns that reduced Sudi in this country was the Back to Sleep campaign. And that was a campaign where we said to parents you must put your baby to sleep on their back every single time, morning, afternoon, nighttime sleep. Now, if you ask your mum how oh, she put you to sleep, she'll say, mom, oh, Gina, I put say, you Gina, on your tummy. Like, and put you, you on your so tummy. Soundly. Because you know why, Clayton? She's afraid that the baby's head will get flat mm. if she, like, you know, not flat head yeah. on the bed. Well, also, on the reduced baby. oxygen might increase your sleep as well. So, yeah, yeah. on the stomach. But th- there's really good <laughs> reasons for not putting babies on their tummy. And for parents who worry if their babies are vomiters, that they're going to inhale the vomit Mm. if they're lying on their back. We've actually shown, or there's good evidence to show that that's not correct. Mm. But more than that, actually being on your tummy is higher risk for having a sooty death, even if you are a vomiter. And there are a number of reasons for that, and I probably won't go into all of them now, but um, part of the the class is that I do go into that. Yeah. um, Because parents, I think it's important not just to be told this is what you should or shouldn't do, but actually have a reason for it. But I think that's what really helped in the class, because you do a lot of... You're one of the people that goes and investigates why this death happened. Let's make sure it doesn't get repeated. Yeah. And so you are looking at those statistics and, and the and the factors. So I think we're almost going to be going to, to a break really soon. In fact, let's go to that because I'd really like to talk about some of the, the, the real life stats we've seen and what could have prevented these, sure. these down the track. Yeah. You're listening to Family Matters here on Joy 94.9. The kids are alright. As for our presenters, um... 
Family Matters, Joy 94.9. You are listening to Family Matters here on Joy 94.9. We are talking all things baby safety with one of my favourite educators that taught me everything about having a safe home for my baby, uh, Dr Rose Boland. And we are having a competition today. So if you are a Joy member and you would like to win, you can message in on 0427-JOY-949-1300-JOY-949. Joy Mush it on the front desk, that is, and on air at joy.org.au to win a $100 voucher for a class in Melbourne. So if you don't live in Melbourne, you might want to consider not entering this one. Uh, Or flying down. Or if you you do live interstate and you've got a family member, this would make a perfect Perfect. baby present for messaging. Yes. So that's for a baby safety class. Now, you can also reach out to Family Matters through all of our socials. On Twitter, we are Family Matters 94 On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash family. Family Matters on Joy. You can also catch up on our podcast at joy.org.au forward slash Family Matters or subscribe on iTunes. We have had a message in and I was going to mention this at some point. Uh, Oh my God. Oh my God. Gina is presenting on her birthday such commitment. Happy birthday, Gina. (gasps) It is. You didn't say that. Well, you know what? I was definitely coming in for this show only because one, I've also got some questions about baby safety. There's something (laughs) that happened I might have to ask the good doctor here um, an answer for. But no, for me, this is actually such an important topic. And Clayton and I were kind of a bit shocked. I'm still shocked that teachers don't have to have first aid training. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked and I'm a teacher. And you've been for, you know, you are first aid trained. I have had a first aid certificate of some sort. Not continuously. There's been a couple of breaks since I was 13. So I've been very passionate about having first aid. I'm really, but that's the thing. And Rose, I want to ask you, I'm really shocked that people don't do first aid training. We spend a lot of money on babies. There is an industry out there that makes a ton of money on selling me crap that I don't need for this baby. And a lot of that crap has entered my home through gifts. But why are people not taking two hours out of their day and gay babies are even more expensive to make, and I, I, I can put my hand up there. Why, pe- why aren't people taking training? Why, why aren't they doing That's this That's a really good question, and I don't know that I've really got a really good answer <laughs> for you, Gina. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you very uh, much. You didn't tell me that. That's right. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't know, and it's, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, when you sort of when you think about it, it is one of those fundamental things. Is it because people are scared? Is it too confronting? Is the thought of something happening to the baby so scary that they don't? they don't want to even consider it or is it not even on people's radar they think this won't happen to me this won't happen to us but as you've talked about you know in statistics this does happen and and there'll be 90 95 100 families across australia this year who will lose a baby to sudi and that's 100 families too many as far as i'm concerned and as we so why wouldn't you come and do a two-hour course and and as we talked about so the statistics i read out before so amazing drop 4,000 families affected to 113. Now, that's a stat, but that is families. That is people that are having the worst moment of their lives that will will last with them forever. Yeah. Looking at the statistics and maybe some of the Victorian statistics, when we kind of break that down, can these things be avoided? And what are some of the things that we see when when these deaths are are investigated? So, tragically, more than somewhere between 40 and 50% of the babies who will die um, from Sudi will die um, because they're co-bedding or co-couching. So they die on a, a sleep surface with their parent or yeah. caregiver. And I think these statistics are really alarming. People know potentially about not bringing the baby into bed or yeah. bringing the ba- um, having the baby co-sleep with them. But I don't think parents have 
that idea that falling asleep on a couch with a baby could possibly result in the baby's death. And it's so easy. And You're it's exhausted. so easy to do. Yeah. Uh, and nobody you think, prepares you yeah. for that sleep And you think, oh, I don't want the baby to fall on the floor. So mm. you put, you don't. This is what I don't want you to do. But people have put the baby between themselves and the back of the couch thinking that's where the baby's safe. And we know now one of the risk factors for Sudi is becoming overheated. Oh, yes. And this is something that really hasn't been on people's radar, I don't think, previously. No. And, and we're realising more and more the importance of, of overheating and one of the very really simple messages around safe sleeping is actually keeping baby's heads and face uncovered when they're asleep now we talked about this in <laughs> class we did, we did. Um, and that means simple stuff you don't put a hat on your baby when they're asleep or a beanie or a beanie or a sleeping bag with a hoodie nothing around the head no pillow no beanie bags do you um, know how many of these gifts have entered my house yes i do home. i do <laughs> And, and that was one of the first things my mum sort of said, and, and I'm Greek, we like, fr- well, not me, the Greeks like their frill and their lace and all that yeah. sort of stuff, and everything that is bought for you and that you can buy for your child, bumpers and frills and pillows and excess, none of that is actually needed, is it? Not only is it not needed, it's actually incredibly dangerous. So and all those the bumpers, those bumpers all and all that sort yeah. of stuff? Yeah. So babies should be in their own cot with nothing else in the cot. So we don't want anything around them they could get their face up against. And what many people don't know is that babies have heaps and heaps of little temperature sensors in their face. So if they're inadvertently overwrapped or overheated, as long as their face and head is uncovered, they're actually quite clever at getting rid of a lot of that heat. But if their face is covered by a toy or a pillow or they're lying flat on uh, you know, on their tummy with their face on one side, uh, they can't get rid of that heat yeah. and that places them at risk of a fatal sleep accident. Now, can we talk about temperature? It's when we will probably come back to um, wrapping a baby safe or putting them to sleep safe. What can happen if a baby overheats? Yeah, so I always say to parents, think of the analogy of a child who's in a car, trapped in a car on a hot day. The temperature in the car keeps going up and up and up. The child's not able to get away from the car. So a baby can't, you know, kick a blanket off or they can't take a layer of clothes off or go and get a cold drink of water or turn the fan on themselves. They're relying on their caregiver doing, yeah. you know, providing that for them. So we know that when babies become particularly if they're unwell and become very feverish, that they can actually have what we call a febrile convulsion. So they'll have a little seizure. Um, Now, this is really scary for a mum who's never seen it before. Yeah. Really scary. When I say in the class to parents, so what would you do if this happened to you? They all just stare at me blankly and say, call an ambulance, which is a good move. I always say, great. And I'm like, and then what? So let's ask Gina that question. All righty. <laughs> let's see what she learned. Problem is, I had to, <laughs> Here I had we go. to disclose in the class that I unfortunately, no, no, unfortunately, I actually know what to do. I had, uh, in a previous lifetime, I was an emergency call taker. So I was on the other end of a parent panicking yeah. when they're experiencing a feeble convulsion for the first time. Yeah. There is no calming this person down. There, there's nothing more frightening. For me, I, I never saw it. I got to hear it. But to see a, a child going into a fit state and we would try and calm them down as, and reassure yeah. them that it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be it's okay. Not we hurt the baby. Hang. It's not yeah. going to hurt the baby. Not to try and hold the baby down yeah. was one of the most Not to bath them. Not, not to, to bath give them. Panadol. All not to try stuff. and 
of let it happen. Them. Yeah. yeah, we reassured them that we were on the way. We never got off the phone with them. And I think that holding down the baby, they try and almost stop the fit. That's not going to help no, the not. baby at all. No. So, so what should parents yes. do if that actually yeah. happens? So the safest thing to do is put the baby on a firm, flat surface and turn them on their side. Don't put anything or don't attempt to put anything in their mouth. Yep. They're not going to swallow their tongue. That's an absolute myth. Myth. Right there. <laughs> yeah, tongue's held down by a... Our frenulum, if you put your finger under there, you'll feel it. Just keep their head in a very neutral position, so not chin down on their little chest, which is what they'll tend to do. Yeah. They'll flop their chin down yeah. and not with their head arched back, just nice and straight and just wait for help to arrive. Yeah. And my other thing is I say to parents, do not put the baby in the car and drive yourselves to hospital. Yeah, no. It's no. a disaster. And as a call taker oh. at uh, the ambulance service, you'll know full well the there amount of no times reason. paramedics have yeah. to go and meet parents on the side of the road or yeah. the baby gets worse or things escalate. The person who's driving the car is not concentrating on no. the road. The person in the back with the baby screaming, drive faster, drive yeah. faster. It's a disaster. Yeah, and, and the call taker will never le- leave. Yeah. Even if you put the phone down, that call taker is Stays not going to hang the up. Phone. They stay on the phone yeah. the whole time. You know, if you've got another spare person in the house, get someone exactly to unlock right. the door and then you just yeah. stay there and just yeah. keep an eye. We and would the- sometimes say undress the baby, but don't. Yeah. Just so you can see yeah. their, that they're breathing. Yeah. yeah. I get them, the parents put the roll baby on their side and keep their hand over their waist because they'll be able to feel the yeah. baby breathing under their hand. Yeah. And to tell the call taker at, at uh, Esther at, at our emergency services if anything changes. And, and I also reassure parents that you've got someone talking to you the yeah. whole time, reassuring you, telling you what to do. Then you've got a healthcare professional to drive you yeah. to hospital, a healthcare professional to look after you in the back of the car. <laughs> baby will be fine. And also to reassure parents that, in fact, these seizures are very benign. They yeah. don't do anything to the baby. No. It doesn't mean the baby's going to have epilepsy or fits or need anti-epileptic medication. Exactly. It simply means they got too hot and this is what babies do. But if yeah. you've never seen it, if it's you, extremely yeah. frightening. And that's the thing. People think ice, cold. No. Yeah. It's actually, no. Yeah. You don't want to cool no, them down too quickly. No. No. And also, well, the problem with cooling them down is not treating the fundamental problem, mm. which mm. is they've got a fever for a reason. So cooling them down is not going to treat the fever. Mm. There's often been a focus on ba- making sure babies are warm enough. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, people wrap babies in a hundred layers. Overwrap babies. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I've, I've seen it. I've seen, like, babies were like, okay, that's why have you got a cocoon? I thought you had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's past the cocoon stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, that's not great. It's not great. And in my class, I do say to parents, in my view, uh, moths go in cocoons. Uh, birds go in nests, babies go in cots. So you don't need to buy a cocoon or a nest. Yeah. You need to buy a cot that meets the Australian safety standards. That is a safe sleep environment for a baby. Their own cot where they're put to bed. And really reinforcing that message is that places like a beanbag, a sofa, on a bed propped with pillows, um, a couch are really dangerous places. Mm. And a baby should never be put to sleep on any of those surfaces. Can we just quickly do one more myth, yes. which is that babies are going to get sick from being too cold? <laughs> yeah, no. No, they're not. <laughs> I think my mother has gotten that out too um, much. No. You know, there's a difference between being left out in the snow and that's, you know, not ideal. Hypothermia um, is bad, yes. That's it, you know, Walt Disney cryogenics sort of thing. <laughs> Come back to life. Yep. Um, but no, we, we really have to stress the importance to parents of a normal temperature. And... 
uh, unlike Gina, who's had f- interesting fun with her thermometers, you know, <laughs> again, simple stuff. Put your hand on the baby's chest or on their back. And if they feel just nice and warm, that, that's great. If they're bright red in the face and yeah. panting like a little dog, the baby's saying to you, Mum, <laughs> take some layers off me. You've completely overdressed me. And yeah. I can see it straight and away. Is, yeah. So because can we talk yeah. about yeah, sure. those signs? Because I, I, I one of the great things we learn is what the healthy range of a baby's temperature is. Yep. And that how range to is it. how to take it. Yeah. Um, and how to check it three times. Yeah. So when best you are, of three. Best of three. Check it because you will get a wrong reading. And I had an evening post-vaccination where my baby was unwell and I had two thermometers giving me opposite readings, yeah. which then thankfully the nurse on call for, for I had was able to then talk me through figuring out really sen- sensible sen- sensible steps yeah. to check this. So how do we tell a baby's actually unwell? What are some of so the signs? I always say to parents, babies won't do one thing in isolation. They won't only get a temperature. You'll know your own, but you know your baby. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah. Now yeah. you do. You know her. <laughs> So you know when she's not her usual happy self. You know when she's more grumpy or quieter or not feeding so well or her colour's not so great or she's off her milk or she's vomiting or she's not passing urine. I mean, all those things kind of add up. So babies don't do one little thing by itself. But I always, um, as you know, one of the things we talk about in the class is that we always think fever hot. But what we see with babies, young babies, and I mean under three months, when they become very unwell, is they can actually become cold. Mm. And that's not cold from being not well dressed. Mm-hmm. I'm talking super cold. Yeah. Uh, they, they shut down. They might have temperatures of 35, 34, even lower. And so I say to parents, if you if the baby's unwell and the thermometer, best of three, best is reading three. well under 36, believe it. Because mm. we've had parents who've brought babies into a merge who've said, took the temperature, was 34, didn't believe it. We don't believe it. <laughs> and that was my fear that evening because the I had a digital thermometer for the forehead reading, which isn't an accurate reading, um, and that redder is really hot. Yep. Um, as having a temperature. Remember, and then, that's where the temperature sensors are in her face. In her yeah. face. And then I used the thermometer under the arm and that was when she was reading as hypo, so really low. And I remember, and I did best of three. Yep. That's when I Do you panicked. want to confess to the listeners what you've okay. done to the thermometer, Gina? I broke that <laughs> thermometer that went under her arm a few weeks before because I'd been using it to test the temperature of her bath water. I forget all this at the time. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I yeah. made the most reliable <laughs> thermometer in the house, which is the cheapest one, the worst one to use. And we figured that out when I, the nurse on the phone, the lovely nurse on the phone, said, Gina, can you now check your temperature three times? We didn't, and I got an equally disturbing reading as yeah. my baby. So We're going to get that. you a laser thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that, w- that was very scary. So what is the safe temperature range for a baby? Is there one? There is. And it's just exactly very similar to an adult. It's 36.5 to 37.5. So it's a fairly narrow range. It's only one degree. Yeah. Um, Now, you know, if I took a baby's temperature at 36.7, I'm not going to go into panic mode. If the baby's otherwise well, I'm going to think, do I just need to take your cardigan off? Especially if it's a hot day and I've overdressed the baby and I'm dressed in a... You know, a lightweight T-shirt. Yeah. Or the baby's just been with Gina's mum. <laughs> or, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and we're having to strip the layers, <laughs> the Greek layers off the baby. Yeah. Um, and if you know, so again, it's looking at a you know a range of signs in the baby, not just one thing in isolation. And also making sure when you are checking the thermometer, that it's, it's right under the arm, right under the right arm, right under the arm. Yeah. Not sticking out. 
That's it. See, I've learned stuff. And Clayton. not through their clothes, clearly. And not through yeah. their clothes. Yeah. See, there is so much you can learn. Please, if you would like to win a voucher for yourself or someone you know that is a caregiver of someone under 12 months and you are a JOY member, message in on 0427JOY949 and you can win a $100 voucher for a baby safety course and you can be all smart, smarty pants like me. <laughs> You're on Family Matters on JOY94.9. <laughs> the life issues that, well, um, matter. Family Matters on JOY94.9. You are on Family Matters on Joy 94.9 and we're with Dr. Rose Bolland. Did I, is that right? Bolland? I don't do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> people get my name wrong all the time, so, you know, yeah. try to do other people's correctly. And we are talking all things baby safety tonight. One of the most important things you should learn if you are caring ever for someone under, or for anyone really, um, you don't even have to be its primary parent. You could be someone who is babysitting every weekend or every other weekend. To to be able to help another life, my goodness, but like really, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I do have a rule that I only babysit once out of nappies. You probably should know that, Jenna. <laughs> uh, so I have to babysit hint, after uh, that point. <laughs> it's easier when they're little. Okay. Um, so something we were talking about, Gina, yes. before I came in was actually that this starts before the baby's born. Okay. Um, and one of the really um, fantastic pieces of research that's come out recently, predominantly led by the group in the UK and certainly been replicated here in Australia, is the importance for mums while they're pregnant of sleeping on their side to prevent stillbirth. Now, this is a really new... This um, is very new. Yeah, because, you know, mums know not to drink, not to smoke, not to do yep. all these kind of things. Yep. But this is a new one. Absolutely. So these studies, um, big studies have shown that mums who sleep on their back in the third trimester of pregnancy, so we're talking after 28 weeks, have a higher incidence of having a stillborn baby. Wow. So where we're, I guess... Um, having a, a little concern as healthcare professionals is we're getting this message to mums to say when you're pregnant sleep on your side mm -hmm. but when your baby's born you've got to sleep baby on its back mm. but you're not to sleep on your back so we're trying to think of some catchy strategies to to differentiate between you know being mum and baby so sos for mum sleep on side yeah and then um the back to sleep campaign for your baby so um and the other thing we talked about was smoking yes um, smoking uh, smoking during pregnancy increases your risk of having a baby who dies from sooty. So it's really important for, for mums who are thinking about becoming pregnant or who are pregnant to really, really try and cut down or quit smoking if they can during their pregnancy uh, because the risk to the baby goes on even even after the baby's born and we know that mums who smoke and who bring their baby into bed with them have a oh, much yeah. higher increased risk of um, their baby dying from sooty than mums who do not smoke so and it's not it's not smoking you know it's not sitting smoking in bed yeah, it's actually yeah. being a smoker full stop yeah and these are statistics that we're seeing you know, absolutely. Th these are deaths that can be prevented, and this absolutely. is the, this is the stuff yeah. that's heartbreaking. Yeah. when so, you see it. So, red nose have really three key messages. They've got lots of messages around safe sleeping, but they're three key messages. If you only remember three things: number one, on their back mm -hmm. every single time; number two, face and head uncovered every single time for sleep; and number three, smoke free. Mm. So that means people not smoking in the house. Um, means certainly people not smoking anywhere near the baby, mm. but it also means that if either or 
mum or dad or mum mum or dad dad whoever the combination of parents if either of the parents is a smoker they must not bring the baby into bed with them it's yeah. it's such an important message yeah or find strategies to and because it does come off on your skin and that's your right. sense so you've that's got to exactly be so right. careful that's exactly right what are other sort of like when we are in these first aid ca- classes one of the things i had done for, like clayton you've done first aid training before cpr is a scary thing and i i I was yeah. concerned of, of how that people would feel because you have got dummies. I do. <laughs> and they're baby dummies. My octo, I'm octo mum. Yeah. Actually, and, I've got nine now. So. And I remember when the babies first came out, everyone's kind of like, oh, how oh. cute, how cute. No, we are about to do a choking demonstration yeah. and a CPR demonstration. Firstly, can we talk very quickly about choking? What is the thing you shouldn't do if, some, uh, if a, a child or baby is choking? Um, put them up on your shoulder. And <laughs> uh, we learn in the... Cl- well, I guess... Before that, one of the preemptives uh, we talked about in the class was um, things that, you know, babies learn by putting everything yes. in their mouth. Yes. And one of the, the most important things, even before we got to choking, and if I can digress, please, if you'll let me, please, was to one. talk about button batteries. It shocked everyone in the room. It really, yeah. And again, I think it's just not on people's radar. Um, we see probably 400 children a year across Australia who are admitted to hospitals because they have swallowed or inhaled a button battery. And... As you know, they're they look in, like a smarty. and they're round and shiny and interesting. So a toddler or baby will put it in its mouth. Yeah. Now, button batteries are electrically charged. Yeah. So even if the remote control or the toy or the truck that that was in is no longer working, that button battery is still creating heat. And that can create enough heat to burn through a baby's trachea or esophagus in under two hours and cause irreparable damage. So if the child survives swallowing a button battery if then they will never uh, recover from that injury because of, of the catastrophic burns it causes and, and that's a huge message that it's people, huge because every child's toy and even has the dodgy thermometer that I, was, I know i broke i know has these buttons batteries in them absolutely and you know we would love to see across australia a standard where toys had to have a phillips head screw no, at the back but they don't it doesn't exist it doesn't exist so that message of saying to parents if you suspect your child swallowed a button battery or your husband or your wife or whoever <laughs> um that you've got a dial triple o yeah irrespective of whether it's gone down there yeah. Breathing hole or their eating hole, doesn't matter. So Call if you AAA. see a toy and you can't find the battery... You dial triple O. And that's the thing. Yeah. Within two hours. Two hours. And you know, as a call take, having yeah. been a call taker, yeah. that the ambulance service, if you then ring back and say, listen, we found it under the couch, Wonderful they'll be nothing news. but relieved for yes. you. They're not going to be angry. Yeah. They'll be happy for you. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's the sort of first start of the choking part of the class. Kind of scare everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we talk about managing choking because, um, you know, babies put everything in their everything. mouth, appropriate, inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and for parents, when their baby's choking and they're panicking, um, they'll often do the opposite to, to really what we teach in the class. So we teach techniques. Uh, we talk about why the Heimlich manoeuvre is not recommended by any resuscitation <laughs> council in the world. That went Just out many houses yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Doogie Howser. But unfortunately, you know, people still watch... Uh, 
American TV shows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about not dialing 911. Yes. Uh, that here in Australia it is triple O because people have heard 911 so much in their head. Uh, I have to confess <laughs> the last time I dialed triple zero, I did dial 911. Yeah. Um, and it works. Yeah. And still. for a period of time, we, we actually had 911 and, uh, and 999 uh, diverting through to triple O and that changed recently. And oh, when did I, it? Okay. When I went out wow. to um, Esther to the emergency services recently, I said to them, why did you stop diverting this? And they said, oh, it's not us, it was Telstra. And so I am taking it up with the head yeah, of Ambulance Victoria yeah. that's really big. to actually have that change. But anyway, yeah, we it, was, it was a while ago <laughs> when I did it, but I realised after I hung up when I dialed 911. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so getting back to you. That's the thing. You're, in, you're, you're, you're stressed. in this number because you're, you're stressed. in stress. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not thinking. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so one of the things going, the number for <laughs> yeah. going back to your question, Gina, is um, I really had to find a way to make it non-confronting for yeah. parents, but also um, I had to teach. We have to, they have to learn the skills. Yeah. And so part of it is sort of talking about that this is an extremely rare event, yeah. having to do CPR, and that maybe they'll never, ever use it on their own baby, but they might have the peace of mind when someone else's child falls in a swimming pool or and is pulled out unconscious to know deaths, what to do. I, I can't believe yeah. we're still reporting on these because there's still Absolutely. huge numbers. And we and baths. And baths. Um, one of the, the, the sad things we, we see in Victoria and around Australia is babies who drown in the bath. And I talked to parents about the 2020 rule, mm. 20 seconds, 20 centimetres. That's yep. all it takes. doesn't take much. And Baby seats are a myth. Yeah, baby. Think well, kids safe in a baby seat yeah, in a bath. Yeah, and they're not. Um, it's not a substitute for a parent. And, no. and we've had, sadly, babies who have died while in those seats. Not The seat was not the issue. It was the fact they were left for a split second while their parent or their mum went to get a towel or answer the phone. You know, babies and water don't mix ever. No. So the, real, the the message I give to parents is if your child is around water, your baby's around water, there needs to be an adult caregiver with them and not a seven-year-old in the bath. Because no. we have known, seen from sadly experience that they won't call out to mum necessarily. Oh, frightening. Yeah. We're going to teach you the most important thing you should remember about CPR right after this on Family Matters. Family Matters on Joy 94.9. Now, we were just talking during the break. I'm checking that out. My knowledge is up to date. Rose, we're going to get you to talk us through the most important things when we're looking at CPR. Now, I just would quickly want to say that I have done... I have to do a CPR refresh every year, and I don't think there's been a single year where it has been exactly the same. It's changed. So if you, even if you think you know it, yeah. listen anyway. Yes. <laughs> We've got the microphones back up. And hello. <laughs> For the most important part of the message tonight. I'll just chat away to myself. Yeah, that's no, fine. <laughs> that wouldn't be unusual. <laughs> so when I was uh, starting to teach baby CPR and adult, we sometimes use um, uh, the BG Staying Alive. Stina. Yeah, Stina. and I had a real problem with singing that for a baby that was needing yeah. CPR. So I had to find a song that was the right beat the right speed and would give me the 30 compressions yeah. and so I'm searching the internet and then it came to me simple it was a song parents would know if they didn't know the words they could hum it and so um well do you want to tell the listeners what the song is well Clayton's going to help me here okay. as we talk you through mm-hmm. all righty so, okay here we go yeah we go it is 
It is two verses of Mary had a, a little, little lamb. lamb. Yep. So Mary had a little lamb. It could be Bob. It could be Mary. Yep. It could be absolutely anyone. It could be anyone. These two verses, though, and it is to literally Mary had a, a little. Pres- yeah. yeah. So, so every if word. you can hear every word, that is your compression. Yeah. And you're aiming for 30 compressions yeah. before we then do the two yeah. breaths. So right. when we start this on television, again, yep. we have to reference that people watch TV, they would normally, before starting CPR, tilt a head back. Yeah. So do for you do an this adult, on a child? For an adult, absolutely you would. For a baby, never. Never tilt so the head back. So we do not want to tilt the head back. That will actually block their airway. Yeah. So babies, it's a really straight, narrow position, and we simply say nose to ceiling. Yeah. So the nose points to the ceiling. Um, and where your fingers get placed is if you could draw an imaginary line between the baby's nipples, t- the two fingers, just two fingers, just below that line. And is it a third? You're trying to press again? pretty deep. It's yeah, a third are. of the way, we say four to five centimetres. So yeah. it's not little fairy fingers, sorry yeah. about the pun. It's, uh, it's, it's really quite deep. Yeah. Now, remembering that most babies, Gina, are born with healthy hearts. They okay? are. They, they have haven't lived. Attacks. They don't have heart attacks. No. They haven't got coronary artery disease. They're not stressed, smoking, bad diet, <laughs> cholesterol, eating McDonald's. Everyone's looking at me in the room. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the wall. Um, so with, with babies, usually the problem's breathing. Yeah. And if they're not breathing effectively, the heart rate drops. So when we teach baby CPR, our focus is so much more on the getting them breathing again yeah. and less on the getting the heart started. Yeah. Whereas in adult CPR, it's all about getting the heart started yeah. again. Um, so it is those two. So you would start off, one, yep. call triple O. Call triple O. You don't Tell even the call have taker the key happened. issue. Yep. So keywords, my baby's not breathing. And my baby it. is unresponsive. And have your address ready. Yep. And then they will take you through CPR. And they already know, as you know, they already know your address. They yep. can see it on their screen. They've yep. got their GPS coordinates of where you're calling from. Well, that's but better just, than my day. No, oh, yeah. we didn't know that back I was in my out day. there two weeks ago doing, oh, some, God, um, doing some questions and answers with the paramedics out at Esther. <laughs> and so don't tilt the head back. Don't tilt the head back. So nose to the ceiling, two fingers. 30 compressions, a third of the way, two verses of Mary, and then after you've sung two verses of Mary, give the baby two breaths. Two breaths, and then keep going. Two verses of Mary, two breaths. Two verses of Mary, two breaths. Two verses of Mary, two breaths. And you have joined us on a very important episode of Family Matters. This podcast will be up soon. We will share the details of of, uh, Dr. Rose's baby safety course because everyone should be doing these courses. Thank you so much. Up next is Well, 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 and after that, The Woods Woof, grrr, with you bears. You've been listening to Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, your light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au, a proud Joy sponsor for over five years. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.